Good evening, good morning, good night, good second breakfast. Whenever you are, wherever you are, my name is Laura Gonzalez, and I'd like to welcome you to Lunatic Mondays, Lunes Lunaticos, the very first bilingual show for CSMP, the Circle Sanctuary Network podcast. And today I have a guest that is a wonderful friend and a great person, Storm Firewolf, Firewolf, Fairy Wolf. I cannot read today. Uh, he's from Antioch, California, and he is a professional author, teacher, warlock, priest, and initiate of the fairy tradition of witchcraft. He holds the black one of a master and is the founder of the Blue Rose lineage of fairy. He is one of the founding teachers of the Black Rose School of Witchcraft, and he travels internationally teaching the magical arts. And you can learn more about his work at www.fairywolf.com. That is F-A-E-R-Y-W-O-L-F.com. Don't ask the Mexican to spell gods. You know how hard it is to spell? You did it and you were able to read the web address and that's the important thing and you spelled it right. So thank you. <laughs> well, getting that aside, welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm doing all right. We had a little bit of a Halloween party last night. A couple friends came over, nothing big. And um, I am remembering now why I hardly ever drink anymore. So <laughs> we had a lot of white wine. And luckily I had Tylenol and water before I fell asleep. So I'm doing okay, but I'm a little tired. Good for you. <laughs> for those who don't know, that is true. A little Tylenol, it doesn't affect you if you've been drinking and just take a couple of Tylenols and then a lot of water and go to bed and you'll be golden the next day. Believe me, I know I was a professional drunk and I also quit drinking a few years ago and in May of this year, my friend came from New York Audrey Funk. And I remember that day that I just started drinking margaritas, but I don't remember when I stopped. And of course, the next day was a little yeah. bit challenging. But anyway, yeah. um, obviously, people, folks that listen to Lunatic Mondays, you all know that I'm now pre-recording these shows. So today is actually November 14th. So this, we are completely uh, off of the Halloween. <laughs> Though it was last night, but it wasn't. It was 40 days <laughs> ago. Because that's the magic of, of the internet. There you go. Fairy, uh, you know, time runs differently in fairy. So. Right? <laughs> that's that how it time works. Time just runs differently. <laughs> so I'm so very glad that I've met you. I met you when uh -huh. we when we did uh, Mystic Chat. Mm -hmm. You were a guest there with uh, Chris Allen and myself. And... I fall in love with you immediately. I think you're a wonderful person. I love your books. Thank and you. then you were here not long ago to talk about one of your other books. But I was still hungry because I really wanted to tap into this book. The book is called The Witch's Name, Crafting Identities of Magical Power. And we were just talking a little bit right before we started the show about identities, right? How people identify themselves, why are identities important? And uh, for example, I was just there telling Storm, you know, I'm a fat, vegan, immigrant, uh, Mexican, indigenous, brown, da, 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 you know, all the all the labels that we put on ourselves or that society put on, us, on ourselves. And 
which ones do we pick and which ones mm -hmm. do we let go and having the ability to change that identity to change your name i don't know of anybody else who ever wrote about magical names or names in general and it is something that has been brought to the to the broad of society uh, a lot lately with transgender folks, right? That they change right. their names and those <clears throat> they feel more themselves with a new name that reflects their identity. This happens also on mag magical circles, obviously. And it's so funny because on the Spanish speaking circles, um, 10 years ago, everybody was Morgana or Luna. <laughs> And and I used to, honestly, that was something that, you know, caught my attention and I thought it, it was funny. And at that point, I decided I'm, I'm not going to change my name. Like, I don't have to change my name. I don't need mm -hmm. to change my name, which is, you know, a personal preference, obviously. Right. But tell us about, a little bit about your journey. Why do you chose this name and mm -hmm. how easy or how hard it was? Well, I think in my, there's a couple things. One is I want to say that nobody has to change their name. And um, if you're not called to change your name or to take on a magical name, you don't have to, but I just want people to at least consider it or consider the process. So for me, it was probably a little easier because, and, and I go into this, I think in the introduction of the book, it's all a blur, um, but I talk about how from the beginning, I never really felt connected to my name. And in a large part, that's because, I mean, the, the name that I was given was basically recycled. You know, that's kind of how I felt about it. You know, um, it was a version of my father's name, which was a version of his father's name, you know? And so I felt like it was just this tradition of handing it down to the firstborn son. And of course I was the firstborn son, right? Had my father's name. Um, so I never felt connected to it. And I'm sure a lot of children don't feel connected to their name. That, that's a common thing. Children will say, oh, no, I'm not so-and-so. I'm, I'm this. I remember I wanted to be named Marcus because there was a, a boy in school and I thought he was really cool and he seemed popular. And it just seemed like a, a good masculine name, you know, whatever, a popular name. And I wanted to be Marcus. And, um, you know, but obviously that never took. Um I wanted to be a lot of things. I also wanted to be an ice cream man and an astronaut and, you know, all the, you know, little kids like to try on new things. But as I got older, that feeling never went away. It still always felt like it was a placeholder. It, it didn't represent me. And of course I got involved in witchcraft at a fairly early age, you know, um, studying on my own, formally dedicating myself when I was 14 and, and then finding actual traditions later on when I was like 18, 19, being able to find established traditions and being able to train in those and having this custom of taking on a name, you know, when you are initiated into the coven or initiated into the circle. And the idea being that, well, this name, it becomes your magical identity, you know? And so the idea with taking on a magical name is it really is a magical tool um, but I think one of the most powerful magical tools that we can have, just the same as, you know, your blade or your cup or your wand, 
Um, but a name is something that we take it a step further. We identify with it in a way that we don't identify with our physical tools, usually, I would say. Um, so when I adopt a magical name or anyone adopts a magical name and they identify with that name, it is about stepping into your magical power. It's, you know, you're not really the same person who has a nine to five job and is paying bills and living in the quote unquote mundane world, you are now a powerful witch, warlock, sorcerer, sorceress, priestess, whatever. And, and you can step into that identity. It's not pretend, it's not fake, it's not delusional, it's not fantasy. This is using elements of the imagination in order to embolden ourselves on, our, on the deepest levels. And so choosing a magical name, the process of it, I mean, it's going to be different for everybody, but one of the things that I think is important is we want to consider elements that will empower us or things that we wish to aspire to, right? So in my case, the elements of my, my name is a three-part name, you know, Storm Fairy Wolf. And originally I, the name was Storm Wolf and it came from a couple of dreams that I had. They were very, very powerful and they were very magical dreams. And I chose to be public with my magical name because my particular calling is to be a public warlock, it is to be a resource for the craft, you know, to just to be out there and to teach and all this stuff. It's always been my, my calling, my inner calling ever since I was little. And so for me, that's, that's public, but that's not going to be the case for everybody. You know, mostly people are going to keep that secret. It's just going to be for their coven members and their coven members would know them by this name. And ostensibly, you know, we're given this mythos that, that the reason witches have these other names is because you didn't want to be identified, right? During, you know, the, the ink time of the Inquisition, it was mm -hmm. said that, you know, oh, if you have this other name, the, the people, the, your coven members only know you by this other name then they're not really going to easily be able to identify you because mm -hmm. they don't know who you are in terms of the re the regular world. Mm, that's a, probably a myth, but you know, that's okay. Um, but I think that when we have a name with a group of people, you know, and nobody outside that group knows it, it does further create that sense of intimacy and that bonding within the group. Mm -hmm. um, but even on a personal level, let's say, you're the only one that knows the name. It's just between you and the spirits you work with or the gods you work with. Um, that also creates a sense of intimacy, you know, just within yourself and those spirits. You know, you, you when you refer to yourself as that name, and I'll do that when I'm doing even my daily practice, um, I will affirm, you know, a few of the different names, you know, um, because I have secret names, right? I've got names in my different traditions, you know, that I work with. I have a name for my god soul, you know, and, and only the spirits I work with know that name. Not even my partners know that name because that's just, it's too intimate, you know? Um, but I think it's an important process at least to consider. And it doesn't have to even be a different name. I know people that, that will use their, their mundane or their legal name, you know, as their magical name because they feel connected to it mm -hmm. or it's already sufficiently magical it has these magical elements and I think that's totally valid and and because it, it is about the relationship that we have with it which ultimately is the relationship that we have with ourselves how do we see ourselves do we see ourselves as magical people 
as, as these powerful people that can do magic. Um, if you feel that you get that energy from your name already, then you're golden. You know, you don't have to go through this extra process, you know, but for the, for the most, for most of us, we don't have that. And so choosing a magical name for me was about me stepping into my power and claiming it for myself. I am going to self name now. Mm-hmm. And that is such an act of power, you know, because it, it, it goes outside the lines of society. You know, we have this idea that like, oh, well, you're given a name at birth and that's your name. That's your real name. People will ask me, well, what is your real name? And in fact, if you Google Storm Fairy Wolf, one of the suggestions based on what people are Googling, it comes up Storm Fairy Wolf real name. Oh my God. And so, but then people are disappointed because my real name is Storm Fairy Wolf. I mean, that's, you know, that's the name that I use in life. Is that my full legal name? No, my full legal name has elements of Storm Fairy Wolf in it. But it's that's it's not that. But my legal name is not my real name. My real name is the thing that I identify with. Exactly. And and that's how that works. But a lot of people will conflate legal name or birth name with real name. <clears throat> and I'm here to say, no, they're not the same thing. No, I love that all the all your books that I have been fortunate to read and, and go through. You approach everything always from a very like psychological point of view and I don't know if you have any psychology training on your background or not but you really tap into this like conscious and subconscious and psychological aspects of it and I love the fact that you know when you talk about having a name that is your conscious name and then having a name that is kind of like your unconscious name or your connection with with the divine and the gods and I, for one, I'm one of those that I, my, my full name is Laura Sofia Gonzalez Herrera, you know, Mexican style, two names, two last names. And I think that at 14, 14 years old, I started saying, my name is Laura Gonzalez and try to pry that out of my hands. It's not going to happen. When I got married, you know, in the United States uh, traditions, like, oh, you should be Laura Hoffman. Uh, the hell I do. No. I'm Laura Gonzalez. Thank you very much. And I love my husband, but I don't have a need to take his name. Um, yeah. You know, neither legally or, or you know, and, and now people know me as Laura Gonzalez. So I appreciate that. And I am very blessed to have a name that I think fits me because Laura mm-hmm. and Sophia, I mean, can't ask for a better one. I know. I, when you said that the Sophia part, I'm just like, oh my God, this is amazing. And it's that, that celestial wisdom, yeah. you know, that just kind of shines through. I'm like, you're golden. You got yeah. it. Yeah. My, right my mom wasn't playing. My sister's name is Sophia. <laughs> and then I have Ilda and Marta. So, you know, my mom was not playing with the names, but not everybody is that fortunate, right? And, right. And how I love when you talk about naming back back to the psychological thing naming things may naming your fears mm-hmm. when you name your fear you have a hold on it and it's not this ethereal unknown anymore right now it has a name the same happens with diagnosis right when a person is yes. sick and they don't know what's going on and then when you have a name for or a diagnosis now you get a you have a hold on it and you can 
go about it. Right. You can navigate it now in, in a different way. I'm, you know, I, for many years, I suffered with um, kind of severe digestive issues. I still do. It's, I have a chronic condition and um, no big deal. I'll live, you know, but, um, but it was like kind of traumatizing trying to figure out, well, what's wrong with me. And then after a long, you know, many doctor's visits and, you know, whatever, and can't really figure anything out. Um, I finally did this elimination diet and was able to figure out, oh, I'm sensitive to, to gluten and dairy and soy. Like that's a, that's a big thing. But as soon as I was able to like determine that I'm like, oh, I have a dietary sensitivity and now I know what it is and I can navigate it now. And, you know, I can reduce, you know, the times that I'm sick, you know, from this condition, like, you know, a lot, you know, so that's also part of that. It was basically, I gave a name to it. I was able to encapsulate it. When we name something, it's to kind of pin it down and be able to focus on it. You know, I'm, I'm remembering when I was a little boy and I'd, you know, I'd have to have the hall light on at night, you know, whatever, I was scared of the dark and um, a very imaginative kid. And also looking back, spirits were talking to me all the time. And I didn't know that's what that was. I had no idea that that's what that was. And, um, you know, but I remember one night I was just terrified because something, the closet door was like half open and there was something in the closet and whatever. And my mom, without turning on the lights, she made me get up out of bed and walk across the room to touch the thing that was scaring me. And then it's like, as soon as I touched it, I was able to see, oh, it's my raincoat. But I think it kind of um, illustrates that point. It was like in my brain, it was just like, what is this thing? Is it a demon? Is it a monster? You know, what is it? It's a raincoat, you know, and now that my brain says, oh, it's a raincoat. It's, I no longer see a demon or a monster and I don't have that fear anymore. And I think that that's just as true in our adulthood. You know, we have these amorphous fears and we don't necessarily know what they are. And, but we, we know these fears can paralyze us. But once we're able to name something, we're able to say, no, this is actually the problem. Well, then that means it's not all these other things mm-hmm. and I can focus on the one thing now exactly. and then hopefully get it done. And I think that's true. Probably also like you were mentioning, like in diagnosis, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, oh, here's this condition, you know, oh, you have, you know, ADHD or, you, you know, oh, you're on the spectrum or whatever. And then the sense of relief that comes from, oh, finally, I know what's up yeah, and I have a chance now to navigate it. Or, or to have a, a deeper, more informed relationship with it. You know, it's not just something that's happening to me. You know, now I can navigate, you know. So, yeah, because, I think the power of naming is important. And and where you don't know what it is, it's like having pain. And they ask you, where is the pain? And like, I don't know. I just know it's pain. Yeah, but where? All over. It's pain. <laughs> and then when you, when you pinpoint it, it's like, oh, okay, so now we can treat it. And I think that is a wonderful tool, as you said on this book, time and time again, of empowerment. And I love how you walk us through the name that were chosen and the name that we were given. I think that is the one that stood with me more is we are given those names and you, when, when we are named, what expectations do society will have mm. You know, I mean, like, I can promise you that the name Karen, as you put it on the book, 
It's probably got to disappear from the United States. I know, States at least for a while. I know. It's, it, I mean, we don't see many Adolfs anymore exactly. either for that, you know, for a similar reason, right? And um, I feel bad for people who are named Karen. You know, um, I have a couple friends that are named Karen. And um, my God, niece is Karen. What a shame. That's what a shame. I mean, it's a fine name. And it's just unfortunate that that was the one that got chosen. You know, yeah. to represent like basically like a know-it-all white woman, you know, and you know, there was a hot minute where it could have gone Becky. Yes, I, I just I remember before Karen was the thing. It I I felt like it was Becky, but Karen won. Sorry, Karens. Yeah. Um, and maybe that'll change, you know. But it's more generational, so it's not going to change anytime soon for us. No. You know, none of our kids or or maybe grandkids will be named Karen but, <laughs> for because, a while. But guess what? There's a story on the Latin American community about a cat. And I think this actually happened. I don't believe me and don't quote me because I don't know for for certain. But uh, this supposedly this Karen woman saved these cats from a fire. And now the name Karen is linked to cats being rescued. And so sometimes I see memes that come from Latin America and, oh, where is my Karen? And I love my Karen. And I'm like, are you guys confused? And then somebody explained to me, no, 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 because the Karen in Latin America is the cat savior. So oh, wow. Okay. How also how regional right. it could be, right? And how we are perceived. So, well, that's a great example of, um, uh, uh, the insular nature of American culture and, and how like in the United States, we tend to only look at the United States and, and set it up as the arbiter of all culture, which is so horrible, <laughs> but, but, you know, I suffer from it too, because I'll hear things like that. I'm like, I never heard that, you know, whatever in my mind, it was just, Oh, Karen is now this, you know, pejorative and, you know, whatever, I never heard that. That's really, that's fascinating to me. And it really does show you. It's like, well, culture happens everywhere and it's just as important everywhere. You know, it's not just these white people in the U.S., you know, but um, come on people. But yeah, I'm I'm glad to know that um, at least somewhere the name Karen has a positive positive, um, message. So (laughs) because like I was telling you, my niece is Karen and I was like, oh my God, I'm sorry. And then uh, <laughs> like, no, over there is a good thing, you know, because you're like, there you animal. go. You're an animal savior. And, and, you know, well, maybe we can start a movement, kind of like bring that up here. I, I like that better. And um, we could maybe pick a new name, a, a much more obscure name um, to refer to um, note all white women. <laughs> well, I will say racist is a good one and bigot is. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, you know, you know, I never shy away from pointing out. Sorry. Well, yeah, no, you absolutely, nobody should shy away from pointing that out. We need to point it out every single day, every single time we see it, you know, because it, things will not change if we just sweep it all under the rug. That's been tried and look where it got us. So. Yeah. Yeah. So is, is this book purely autobiographical or you know, because I'm, I'm, I can imagine how long it took you to actually collect all this information and put it in a book. What was the process? 
I mean, a lot of it just came from my experience over the years and also talking to people. There's accounts in the book from some of my friends who also have taken on magical names and, and talked a little bit about their process as well. Um, one of my partners, Matt Oren, you know, he, he's in there. Um, my friend, Anar, who's the grandmaster of the fairy tradition. She's in there. Laura Tempest, Zakroff, um, Durga Dasa, Lon Duriel, um, Guion Raven and, and Phoenix LaFay. They all um, were gracious enough to, to donate some, some words, you know, and talk about their process. So I didn't want it to just be, this is the storm show. Um, but a lot of it was from my experiences because I think you can really only speak with authority on that which you have experienced and that which you know. And I, you know, I talk about how I chose my my public magical name, um, but some of the other stuff in there, you know, like I I chose names in other traditions, and obviously I can't share what those names are because you know they're they're secret to those things. But you know, for example, in one of the traditions that I'm a part of, it's customary to take on a name um, um, from like ancient Greece. And so I, I took on a, a lesser known deity name. Um, and that's as far as I'll be able to say, you know, with that, um, you know, and in, in the fairy tradition, I have a name, you know, that is my initiatory name. And, um, you know, so my initiates know that name, you know, um, I, I, so I, I definitely drew mostly from my experiences, but I also wanted to just kind of convey what it was kind of pa passed down as common magical wisdom, you know, at the time. So I definitely talk about, you know, later on in the book, I talk about, you know, using like astrology and numerology to also look at your name, which is a kind of a common thing. I almost didn't put it in the book because I thought, well, everybody already knows this. Because there, there have been books, not exactly like this one, but there have been books that talk about magical names, but mostly they were dictionaries. Mm -hmm. They were they were like lists of names. And so my book is not a list of names. I have some names, you know, in there when I'm talking about like, oh, maybe look at mythology or history, you know? And so here's some things that sound witchy, you know, or, you know, names of actual ancient witches or people accused of witchcraft. We could adopt those names or aspect of those names in order to kind of reach back through time to tap into that current, you know, of witchiness, you know, I'll say, um, or even names of fictional characters, you know, there's, there would be no shame in that, you know, um, working in the fairy tradition, it's kind of a big thing in our tradition that we will draw from fiction and we know that it's fiction. We're not saying that, oh, this is an actual mythos or whatever except that it is an actual mythos because that's how mythology has always worked. It's always been the telling of stories. And, and through the revelation of these stories, you know, we have a relationship with it. It empowers us or it unlocks things within us. Mm -hmm. And then maybe the person sitting next to you isn't going to have the same relationship to it. They're like, oh, that was just a fun story, you know, whatever. But for me, oh, I have this experience with it. And so it's unlocked something. So for me, I'm tapped into that current. So maybe I'm going to draw from that. Yeah. you know, and maybe bring that into, into my name as well. So there's, a, there's a lot of different pieces that I tried to weave together and I tried to keep it fun as well. And one of my favorite things actually in the book, and it's almost the silliest thing. And my editors didn't like it at first, but I fought to keep it in there is the one where um, you use Scrabble tiles in order to, you know, you could take, you know, cause basically what, is, what is a name, but an auditory sigil 
mm-hmm. you know? And so I can take, maybe I want, you know, a particular energy, you know, for my name and, um, you know, so it, to, to kind of embolden myself, maybe I need to have more courage or maybe I need to have more patience or, you know, maybe, you know, whatever it is that, that I want to draw in and kind of embody within myself. I might even take those words and then of all those things. And then, you know, in a kind of a, you know, regular sigilic fashion, get rid of the repeated letters, you know, whatever, get them on Scrabble tiles and then mix them up and rearrange them in a way that you're creating a new word. And if it sounds cool to you, you know, like, well, maybe I am going to take on this name and it's, it's not any name or word that you would have heard before. You know, it's on one level, it's nonsensical, right? Mm -hmm. But that there's a huge tradition of quote unquote nonsensical words in occult tradition, you know, going back at least to the Greek magical papyri, you know, where people are, you know, using these barbarous names, these magical voices, you know, and, um, you know, so we can do the same thing. We could create our own, you know, kind of barbarous names. And so by using the Scrabble tile method, I can take all these other elements of things that I wanted to encapsulate into a single word, you know, and then here's my magic word. And I could use that as a name or it doesn't even have to be a name. It, you could just use it as magical words. Mm-hmm. You know, I have part of my daily practice is that I will do affirmations. And I've noticed one of the affirmations, I'm not going to go into it, but, but one of the affirmations that I've been doing is quite long. And I thought, I'm going to use the Scrabble tile method and come up with just a magic word for this whole phrase, you know, and whatever. And I haven't done it yet because I just, I just had the idea. I was like, I wrote about it. Why not do it? You know, the, yeah. this whole thing. So, but I could take, you know, the elements, the letters of that phrase and distill it down to its core and find a, a, a barbarous name, a barbarous word that fits that. And then when I speak that word, I'm tapping into that whole, the energy of that whole phrase. It's like a macro, yeah. It, 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 you know? And so and there's no reason we can't do that. You yeah, know, absolutely. we should be creative with our magic, but you could, but you could do that with a name. There's absolutely no reason why you, you couldn't do that with a name or you could choose a name, maybe an ancestor, you know, that was particularly, you know, that calls to you. You know, um, sometimes people, when they're born, are given the names of ancestors, like I mentioned, you know, I mean, not my ancestor, but still my father and my grandfather. And, um, you know, I, again, didn't resonate with that, you know, but somebody else might. And then, but especially if you're choosing it later in life, yeah, that's a different story. You know, it's like, no, I'm choosing this. It wasn't just put on me, you know, and the same would be true in some traditions, you don't choose a name. In some traditions, your high priest or high priestess is going to give you a name. And so somebody asked me about that. Well, but you say it's so important to choose your own name. And, and so what, what I'll say to that is it's still your choice. You know, if the, if the priest or priestess is giving you this name, you absolutely have the choice to reject it. Exactly. You know, you might not then be able to function within that tradition, they have rules, I assume, you know, whatever. And maybe they're not cool with that. Maybe they will be, I don't know. Um, but it's still your choice as an adult. You're like, okay, they're giving me this name. I will accept it or I won't accept it. You know, it's still your consent. You know, I think that your your consent is completely important yeah. in all of that, paramount, in fact. So, um, so I don't see much of a difference really because you're still choosing the name. You just didn't make it up yourself. 
mm-hmm. but you're still choosing to adopt it. And that's a really big act of power and one that goes against the grain of society. Society doesn't like it when we change our names, you know, and, um, but there's a power it, we are, when we do that, we are engaging in a transgressive act. And when we engage in a transgressive act, there's power there that we can pull from it. And especially in the path of the witch, that's what we're looking for. We're looking to pull power from wherever we can and direct it into our work. So wherever you can find those threads of power, pull them in, weave them together. Yeah. I love that you included on this book um, a whole bunch of exercises and, you know, that you recommend people to do like the the breathing, the, the visualization, the writing, the, you know, the sitting with it. Like there is not sense of, you have to rush to get this, which I think, and let me, let me uh, pedal back here. I think a lot of people, when they start on the craft, whichever way, wake up, pagan, whatever you want to call it, um, there is this like pressure, you know, like, oh, what's your magical name or how are you going to call yourself or whatever. And I love that you talk about time, sit with it, simmer it, you know, take your time. And then do these exercises. And if it doesn't work the first time, repeat it. And even if it works, do the exercise again and see how you feel. And if you need to change it again, change it. You know, I love that you added that on the book. Yeah, I think that's important that you shouldn't feel like it's contractual. You know, that you're locking yourself into something. Um, I mean, you can be in a way. There was a time after I had chosen my name that I really kind of, there was a, a brief time where I felt like, oh God, did I do the right, right thing? Because it does limit, you know, the, a name like mine does limit my audience. And, um, and I understand that and that's okay. In fact, the way I see it now is it's more of a filter and I'm filtering out the people that, you know, I don't really want to have in my sphere, you know, I, cause I will see people on internet, you know, whatever say, oh, I can't take him seriously with a name like that. You know, I'm like, well, then I probably don't want you in my immediate circle. If, if you're immediately going to judge me, you know, as someone you can't take seriously or whatever, never having read my work, but you just see my name, you're, you're willing to make that judgment, you know, about somebody just based on that. Yeah, I don't really want you around me. So this works out, you know, um, my name is also, it's a reminder to me. This isn't me being like, oh, grandiose out there in the world, because I recognize that if you don't understand the process that I went through, um, you might, and if you're, especially if you're not a witch, you might look at that and be like, what is going on? Is he, you know, I've been called a cosplayer, which I don't have enough money to be a cosplayer. Um, those people are great. Yeah, that is, that is an amazing thing they do. I, um, I've been accused of like, I don't know, playing Dungeons and Dragons just based on my name. And I'm like, again, I love people that play Dungeons and Dragons and role-playing games. It just wasn't my thing. I, I wasn't very good at it, you know, but it's just funny that the, the accusations, but I'm like, none of those things are actually bad, you know, but you're, you're saying it as if it is. So I can tell you're not the kind of person that I want to be hanging out with anyway. So we're back to, we're back here. You know, it's, it's a good filter, but my name is to remind me, you know, that my commitment is to be a public warlock 24 seven. I don't get to like take time off because this isn't my vocation. This is my calling. And 
it's not going to be the same for everybody. You know, for some people, it, it you know, witchcraft is something that they're just going to do on certain days. Mm-hmm. And I'm not here to judge that. You know, if that's your witchcraft, that's your witchcraft. That's not my witchcraft. My witchcraft is a lived experience 24 yeah. seven. And I'm not here to say that that's better. It's just different, mm-hmm. you know? But yeah. so my name reminds me to stay in that magical consciousness all the time. So I'm storm fairy wolf when I go to the grocery store. You know, I've got my little like, you know, whatever, my my discount card, you know, whatever. And that's that's my name. And of course, they don't even look at your name. It's all like your phone number now, right? You're just we're we're really just numbers to the government. We're numbers, yeah. You know, but it takes it takes a lot of I I just love that everything that I read from you is about power, about the power, about the power. And that the power is not, in my opinion, you know, you don't have to earn it from anybody. Right. You take it. Yeah. You take it, you harness it, you take it from the inside out. Mm-hmm. And and so I started the show telling you that I was a skeptic and I was always like, I don't have to change my name and I'm and I'm very content with it. And but you know, baby witch Laura 15 years ago, it was like, I don't need to take a name, you know, like with that sentiment. Right, right, right. And, right. and, and now 15 years later, it's like, no, I'm very content with my name. Thank you very much because this is who I am. And throughout the show, I've been thinking, you know, like my name is Laura Gonzalez. But what I present is Laura Gonzalez, which is a variation. It's different. Name, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. but I, I want to close uh, my thoughts with, so you take, take the skeptic Laura, right? To a ceremony of initiation and name given. And my high priest at the time said, visualize the gods coming towards you. And they're going to lean down and they're going to whisper a name. And let's say I heard is not true, but let's say I heard the word shoe. But then he said, visualize the gods as you know them. So on, on one side, I have the horn god and the white goddess. And on the other side, I have Miklantakutli and Miktakasiwat, the, the god, the goddess of death. And these are huge statues made out of rock and I could hear the rock screeching as they mm. walk and they whisper a word in Nahuatl which I thought it was apple right so I have shoe and apple and I'm like okay well couldn't you give me something more meaningless <laughs> and then I come home and I google the Nahuatl name and it's shoe so I was told in English, shoe, and I was told on Nahuatl, shoe, which is not shoe, people, that's not my magic name. Um, <laughs> no, people are going to be Just like, Just to be hey, clear. Yeah. <laughs> shoe. No. Um, so I guess I'm throwing myself under the bus just to say, give yourself the chance to learn what else is inside of you. Right. And how many names or, or which name is the one that harness of the all the power and and use it for fit and if it doesn't work, 
use another or find another, you know? Yeah, I, I think it's totally valid to um, to change it later if, if it doesn't serve you anymore, you know? And, and I kind of see that as, you know, well, the snake at some point has to shed its skin. It no longer fits. It's tight. It's restrictive. And so it's time for something new. And so, um, you know, in, in my case, at this point, it would be a, a branding nightmare, you know, to, to change, you know, cause I've been this name forever, like out there writing books and, and everything. Um, but I also don't feel the need to change it. I, I love my name. Um, but you could adopt other names again, you know, there could be a secret name, you know, that you have with, you know, just your gods and that can be a really powerful thing too, or just your intimate circle, you know, even just, we do this even outside of magical life, you know, um, you know, your, your, your partner or your partners might have a special nickname, mm-hmm. you know, that, that they only use for you, you know, and that also breeds that sense of intimacy and, and power and trust, you know, and so in a way that's a magical name, exactly. you know, and so I just think it's important to look at that. We're already doing it, but now in this book, we're going to do it in a conscious way and we're going to build it because we recognize it's really I mean, the book's called The Witch's Name, but it's really about the witch's identity. Yes. And so I didn't want it to just be focused on here's names, here's these list of you know powerful names. That's not really going to do people that much good. You know, I mean, it could it could be helpful. You know, maybe you get, oh, I like that name. Oh, I like what it means. And I'm going to adopt that. Fine. If that's how it comes to you, it, that's how it comes to you. But I wanted it to be a process of going and exploring our inner landscape because I feel like that's where the real power lies. And you're right. All of the books that I, that I've done in in the craft that I practice and teach really is about cultivating power. And I don't see how you could be a witch and not be concerned with that, you know, and I'm not talking about power, like over, you know, power over people, coercion, dominance, all of that. We're talking about power from within power is simply the ability to do anything, something. And, and, if we are not trying to cultivate power, then we are really accepting a state of powerlessness. And sorry, that's not for me. You know, again, I'm not trying to dominate anybody. I'm just trying to empower my life to live in a way that I feel is fulfilling and connected and and successful. And, you know, knock on wood, you know, so far so good. Um, Yeah. So, but I, I think the process of taking on a magical name is something that I, I, I would, I would hope that more witches would look at it, um, as not an affirmation of the ego. Cause that's what seems to be what a lot of people think. Oh, it's just this ego thing. You're just out there trying to look cool or, you know, whatever, but see it more as an alchemical, an inner alchemical process that we are now cultivating a sense of, of power in our magical identity because if we feel confident and we feel powerful, then we are far more likely to be able to tap into that actual deep power. But if we feel uh, reserved and we feel weak, you know, then our magic is not going to be effective, you know? So, so that's really kind of the main drive behind this book was to kind of get pagans to look at this and say, Hey, I'm going to take another look at this process. I think there's more going on here than I was led to believe. And I love what you said at the beginning of the show, that is, is, is just another tool or it could become another tool. And what is ritual? 
ritualists, a step-by-step-by-step -by -step -by -step thing that we do in order to change our consciousness, right? And you mentioned changing your consciousness of will. That's the definition of magic. I love that you put that in the book because that is my favorite definition. Thank you. By, by Dion Fortune. Fortune. Yeah. I always, I know, capital <laughs> sin to get confused. Um, the unfortunate, right? Changing your consciousness of will. So if taking your name or keeping your given name or adopting a temporary name helps you get in the groove, it helps you change yeah. your consciousness. That's where the magic is. Absolutely. Absolutely. There, there's such a big thing with we're dealing with magical and psychic work that our sense of confidence is paramount. You know, I had an experience many years ago where somebody asked me if I could do psychometry and I had never done it. And I remember hearing myself say, oh yeah, I can do that. I don't know where this false sense of confidence even came from, but then he handed me the object and I was able to read it because I was just in that space of like, yeah, I can do it. I can do anything. I'm magical and I'm powerful. That's an amazing space to be in, you know? Now it can go to one of two ways. It can actually manifest as psychic ability or it could be delusional, right? And so, and still the choice is kind of ours, you know, but we're never going to have that choice if we stay disempowered, exactly. you know? So um, one of the things that I, one of the affirmations that I work with is I am fully confident in my psychic and magical abilities. Beautiful. And it just helps me to remember that that's, if I'm engaging in that work, I need to generate that sense of confidence, that magical confidence. Yeah. And if you don't have that sense of magical confidence, well, then it, that's what we work on. And maybe, a maybe there's name elements that could help instill that sense in you, a sense of pride, you know, a, a, a name that makes you feel powerful. If you look in the mirror and see yourself in the eye, in your eyes and you affirm, you know, or I would affirm, I am Storm Fairy Wolf. I feel magical. I feel powerful. I feel a little whimsical between the worlds, you know, and those are all the things I want to feel as a warlock, you know, um, if I was to say that and I felt diminished or ridiculous or, or whatever, then I know that that's not the name for me, okay. you know, so it, it's how do you feel about it and not so much how do others perceive it because others aren't you. Uh, other people do not know your inner process. They can't tell you if it's right for you or not right for you. Only you can do that. And we do that by trying it on for a while. It's kind of like going and picking out a new outfit. You got to, oh, it looks really good online, you know, and then you go and try it on. You're like, oh, not so much. It kind of chafes, you know, it's kind of too yeah. tight here or, you know, whatever. Um, okay. Well, this isn't the one for me. I'm going to try it, try it again, but you don't know unless you try. And, and you know what, how many times we have done that? This is the, the perfect metaphor for it. Because how many times we have liked an item of clothing that we tried on, it feel a little weird or it was a little tight or whatever. We buy it and it just sits in the back of the closet. Right. <laughs> Disempowered, sucking up energy and space. Yeah, exactly. And that's why in, at this time of the year, this is not November 1st, people, this is November 14th. But at this <laughs> time of the year, you know, that's when you get rid of all the stuff that is taking space. I have to say, um, the name and the naming and, and the changing names um, is not new, obviously, but I think it's more on the forefront now because transgender folks be doing it. Right, and, right, and, right, right. 
and demanding that people learn their name and that dead naming is vile and the worst thing that you can do is to dead name a transgender person. And so I think let's borrow, let's empower each other and let's borrow that uh, autonomy and individuality to say, no, this is my name. Right. And if I want to change it later, then I will. Um, it's been wonderful to chat with you today. Is there anything that I haven't asked you that oh we goodness. totally absolutely need to talk about on this about this book? I don't I don't know. I think we covered a good good swath. Um I'm sure I'll think of something later. That's usually how we're oh, I didn't talk about this or you know, whatever. But I just like to encourage people to to check out the book. Um, I've, I've seen some people online they're like oh my god how can you you know write a whole book on on the magical name well read it because you know if I'm not just rehashing you know a bunch of stuff there's a lot of original material in there um, a lot of thoughts outside of the magical community you know that I brought in um, to this because it is this important and living process and um, yeah so I, I would encourage people if you're thinking oh that's kind of weird you know, whatever, you know, check it out. It's not a long read, you know, um, it's a, it's, 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 a, it's my smallest, well, not my smallest book, but, you know, in terms of my, my Llewellyn books, it, it's the smallest one. And um, people were actually really delighted about that. They're like, oh, it's so portable, which I never really thought would have been in like a, th- I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. You could stick it in your purse, I guess. Um, but I had a lot of fun writing it. Um, I do feel like in terms of just my writing process, it was some of the best writing you know, that I've done. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy with it on that level. Um, but yeah, check it out. I'd love to hear what people think. Yeah. And maybe and even if you disagree, I, I'm totally happy to hear people who disagree as long as you're respectful, you know, um, if not, I block that. That's just my policy. <laughs> now I, I cultivate my social media, um, very, very, um, strictly because I just don't want to waste my life force on, on angry people and conservatives. And so, so I, I, I definitely cultivate that, but definitely, um, if you have questions, you know, you can reach out to me, you can go to my website, fairywolf.com, F-A-E-R-Y, wolf.com. And, um, you can also, if you're interested in, um, checking out like my classes and, and, and our extended classes, we have modernwitchuniversity.com. So check that out. Um, and we are very excited to, um, be, hosting our black rose witchcraft course um over 800 signups nice you know to date so that's awesome we have a thriving discord community and um lessons are automatic um but you can also make appointments with with the teachers you know at a discounted rate if you decide you want some one-on-one you know instruction um but yeah definitely you can if you want to know more just go to that website or those websites check us out um, and we also have um, an online store at daturatrading.com where we sell magical items, divination tools, um, candles, crystals, things of that nature. That's a lot of fun too. So if, if ever anybody out there is wondering, how can I support Storm and the rest of House Forlocks? That's the way to do it. You know, so myself, obviously my partners, Chaz Bogan, Devin Hunter, and Matt Oren, we're all doing this full time. We don't have mundane jobs. This is what we do for a living. We write books, we teach classes, we make this art. So come and check us out and and let me know what you think. Beautiful. And of course, the book is available 
wherever books are sold, Llewellyn are very, very good people when it comes to distribution. Distribution, Right. And if you go to your local witchy store and they don't have them, ask the folks of the store to get the book for you and for others, obviously. And yeah. you have this also on your website, right? Yeah, you can go to fairybook.com slash books. And then it has a whole list of everything that I've written. And you can even um, from there, you can order signed copies of the books from me. It's from our store.tora trading. So I do offer signed books. I don't do personalized ones though online anymore because it got too cumbersome. But um, but certainly if I'm at an event, you know, signing books, I'll 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 do that. Speaking of but, events, um, after today, November 14th, do you have any events, presentations? Are you going somewhere or oh are gosh, you going no. winter? We um at the time that this will be aired, November 14th, we will have just finished um our our witches sabbath event that we do every year although we're gonna do it again not for Samhain but we're gonna do it again for Beltane so it just in so in six months we'll have another so hopefully very soon I will have some stuff up for that you can always check out modernwitch.com and um, that will have links to like all the projects you know that we're all doing and that's that's constantly being updated I know it needs another update real soon but um, but yeah, check it out. We've got a, those list of websites. And then, of course, you could always follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, mostly on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. yeah, mostly on Twitter. So thank you. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for writing this book. Thank you. I, I'm I so glad you've think, enjoyed it. I always think about people that had just come into witchcraft and they don't know what's what. And I love how you are very... Um, I love how you guide your your apprentices through the processes, you know, because there's the all the love that you put on every word. Oh, thank and, you. You know, that's you, very touching. I appreciate that. It. So, thank you so much for being on the show tonight. Oh, and thank to, you to all our listeners. Thank you so much for being here. There may or may not be a song at the end of this show. You will have to stay tuned. Uh, what song is it gonna be? That is a surprise. But I'd like to thank everybody. I'd like to thank um, Circus Central Enable Podcast and to remind you that we have all kinds of shows. We have Paganos del Mundo on Saturdays. We have Blue Marble the third Friday of the month. We have Circle Talk the first and third Tuesdays. And we have Selena Fox's uh, Nature Mystic on Sundays. And she has some surprises under her sleeve that may or may not have been public yet. So stay tuned. Um, Storm, I like to give you the microphone so you can say goodnight to your audience, but not without saying thank you so much for being on the show tonight. Oh, thank you. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you for having me back. I always have a great time. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm already looking forward to the next time. And thank you for everyone for listening and for your support. I am living in constant gratitude. So thank you very much. Thank you all. All right, we go in with some music. And until we see each other again, never forget that you are loved. Bye-bye.
Bye. Bye.